Welcome again. We are in a series, meaning we take a topic and we talk about it for several weeks. And this series is titled, Taking Responsibility for Your Life. And today's specific topic is Embrace Your Responsibility. I, never know, I don't know if you thought about it, but you can divide the word responsibility into two words, response and ability. And that's kind of where we're going this morning. But quickly, to review a little bit. We've been starting with a question. And we're going to try and get me out of the fog here. We start with a question, and we're repeating this together with the emphasis on the word really. First service folks were a little weak, so I want to hear it from you guys, okay? All right, let's say it together. Am I taking responsibility for my life really? All right, good job. Meaning, it's hard to see it in the mirror. It's hard to pick those areas of our lives where we're letting things slide. Most of us say, yeah, I'm taking responsibility for my life because I'm going to work, I'm you know, doing chores around the house, I'm doing this, taking care of my kids, whatever. But when we're talking about all aspects of life, totality, we all have got areas, I would say, that we need to work on. So that's what we've been talking about for now the fourth week. Another thing we've been talking about is the fact that we have this thought in our society that it's none of your business. I can do what I want. It's my life. I can do what I want. Somebody texted me. I said that this morning. They texted me just now telling me that was a song by the animals in the 60s probably. That's when I grew up. But that's kind of our attitude, right? It's none of your business. But the problem is we live in community. We don't live in a vacuum. We don't live by ourselves. And we, we go to school. We go to work. We go to church. We have families. And so we can't just do what we want. Or we can, but there's consequences. And we put it this way. My irresponsibility eventually becomes somebody else's responsibility, whoever I'm in community with. And uh, so we can say that, but it's just not true. We are accountable to other people. We affect other people. Now today I want to start with something that is universal Something that we've all experienced, something we've all said, not only us, but everybody in our culture, probably other cultures also. And this happens when we're children, and we're a child, and your sibling, for example, gets to go somewhere you don't get to go, or they get to do something you don't get to do, or you've got to do some chore that they don't have to do. And we all have the same response to our parents or guardians who are always taking care of us. What is your response in that situation? That's... Not fair, right? Not fair. We've all said it, right? If you're a parent and your child's probably more than two or three years old, you've heard it from your child. Every parent's heard it from every child every, in every culture probably for hundreds if not thousands of years. And if you're the parent or when you said it to your parents, everybody has the same response to that question too, right? What's the response we all have? Life's not fair, right? We've all used that with our kids and our grandkids. And the reality is, it is, isn't fair. Now, we would, sometimes, we would like it to be fair, right? When we seem to be on the short end of the stick. When we're not getting to do something we want to do. On the other hand, when we are, are the beneficiary, whatever that word is, uh, of life not being fair, when I get the bigger piece of the pie, I'm not saying, that's not fair, give me the small piece. None of us do that, do we? So when we're in the benefiting from it, we don't care if life's fair. 
It's only when we are hurt by it that we complain. Probably a better word than fair is this word. Life isn't even. And we know that. You just look around. None of us look the same. None of us have the same opportunities. None of us uh, get to do the same things. None of us have the same intelligence. None of us have the same looks. None of, we're all different. And that's one of the wonders of, uh, of mankind. We're all different. But consequently, it's not even. It just isn't. Some of us are going to live longer than others. Some of us have more money than others. The problem is, when we look at life as not even, we talk about this a lot. You shouldn't, a lot. You shouldn't compare. When we, people, when we think we have the short end of the stick, when we see people with more, more than us, more benefits than us, benefiting from the not even part, it easily becomes an excuse to not try. Why should I try? I didn't have that opportunity. I didn't have those parents. I didn't have those good looks. I didn't have that intelligence. Why should I try? And it's easy to make an excuse to be irresponsible and not try. And as we talked about back in week one, you're not happy when you're irresponsible. Irresponsible people aren't happy. We're created to be responsible. We feel, feel good when we've accomplished something. We've done what we should do. That makes us feel good. And consequently, we don't, we're not happy. Maybe short term. But we're certainly not happy. And the reason is because irresponsibility always produces conflict. First and foremost, conflict in ourselves. Uh, we aren't happy. We're conflicted. We, we cause conflict in ourselves. We don't feel good about ourselves. It kind of makes a hole in our soul when we're being irresponsible. When I'm not being the dad I should be, and not being the spouse I should be, not being the Jesus follower, if you're a Jesus follower, that, that you should be. And when we do it, and we do it right, we feel responsible, there's a sense of contentment, of fulfillment, a meaning and purpose in life. Ben Frank, if you're not a Jesus follower, don't care about the Bible, just use something Ben Franklin said this morning. He was a wise person. He said this, he, that's not good at, uh, he that is good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. And that's pretty wise. It's pretty true, isn't it? And probably most of you have know somebody or met somebody that that would apply to. Because our energy is going into what? Making excuses instead of being responsible, doing the things we should be. All of life is a spiral. Either spiral up or spiral down. If you don't do anything, where, you know, where, where does gravity take you? <laughs> All right. Unless you work on something, you're going to spiral down. And making excuses, are gonna, your life is going to spiral down. Now, the interesting thing about this uneven unfairness of life is this. Even those people that are the beneficiaries of the unfair part, they often use that, too, as an excuse to be irresponsible. And let me just use a simple illustration that I think we all can understand. Americans waste so much food, we could feed all the hungry people in the world with just what we throw away and what we waste, right? Now, I grew up poor, and some of you may have grew up poor. In our house, no food was ever wasted. If you left food on your plate, somebody else ate it. Nothing ever got wasted. But most of us are so affluent, we have so much, we have refrigerators and freezers and cupboards full of food, we waste food all the time. So even when we have a lot, if you have a lot of spare time, you probably waste spare time. If you've got a, money, when money's tight, you don't waste it. When you've got plenty of money, what do you do? You waste some of it, don't you? So we can be irresponsible on the, the bad side of unfair, or we can be irresponsible on the good side of unfair. I see this in relationships. 
When we're dating, we work really hard on a relationship, try and get that other person, right? To commit themselves to you. And then a couple years into marriage, what happens? People come to counseling and say, oh, and they start complaining about their spouse. And if I could just get those folks to put as much work into the relationship as they did when they were dating, problem solved, right? But they let it spiral down. So the issue isn't life should be fair, because it's not. Life should be even, because it's not. Here is the issue. When I'm going to, what am I going to do with the opportunities life slash or God has given me? If you're a Jesus follower, you're going to put God in there. If you're not, again, we're glad you're here. You can just put in there the opportunities life has given you. What are you going to do with the opportunities life has given you? Now, we're going to look at something Jesus said. And uh, this is in Matthew, beginning of the New Testament. And Jesus is teaching, we call them parables. They're stories, made-up stories. And he's trying to explain to his audience what the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, this is invi- something invisible, so it's hard to explain. So he uses a series of stories. And we're just going to look at one, but it's, it's kind of long. And he's going to use money, <laughs> which we all know about. He's going to use money to explain the principle of the unevenness or unfairness of life. Now, us preacher types love parables and we love to dissect them and find all these other meanings in them. The reality is the story has one point, so to speak. It's, trying to, it's like Aesop's fables. It's trying to teach you some principle of life. So we're going to try and avoid trying to find all kinds of hidden meanings in here. Just focus on what is the principle that Jesus is trying to teach. And in these parables, Jesus often used what we would call extremes, all right? Probably the most famous one is the prodigal son story, all right? It's about a, a son that says to his dad, I can't wait till you die to get my inheritance. He's this, the younger son. He says, I want you to give it to me now, which means he would have got a third of the inheritance. The older brother would have got double portion. Now, the dad does it in the story. Would any Jewish dad really do that? <laughs> no. Wouldn't happen. Then the guy goes and blows it all, winds up feeding pig. Would a J- young Jewish guy wind up feeding pigs? No, it never happened. He would die before he'd feed pigs or be involved in pigs. They were unclean. So when the people hear that story, the, Jesus is using extremes to try and get the point across about the story. So he's going to use extremes in this story also. So again, it's in Matthew chapter 25. Again, we're not going to look at the first story, the first parable, he says, so we're going to look at one of the others. So he begins by saying again, all right, I've already taught you a little bit about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Here's another way I'm going to try and explain it to you. He said it can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Of course, God is, or Jesus is referred to as that man or the master. He calls together his servants and entrusts his money to them while he is gone. So, you know, I would, do, I would invest and do, <clears throat> excuse me, do good things with his money if I was here, but I'm leaving, so I'm going to give my financial resources to you. I'm going to trust you to be responsible with them, to do what I would do with them if I was here. <clears throat> and so here's what he does. <clears throat> he gave fag, five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Now notice this. He's not even, right? It's not fair. It's uneven. But what, what is it? why has he made that decision? He's dividing it in proportion 
to their, the servants, abilities. All right? So the guy with the five bags of silver evidently has more ability or capabilities uh, to, to uh, be responsible with. And so consequently, he got more. And the guy with the one bag had less abilities. The point being this, the guy with five shouldn't be overwhelmed with that responsibility. The guy with one shouldn't be overwhelmed. The master or God decided what the person can handle according to their abilities. So he's, we would say he's being fair with the way he divided this. And then he leaves. Now one thing I want to point out to, here, to you here. Everything is fair to someone. Everything is fair to someone. Let me ask you, was it fair from the master or the owner's perspective to give five bags to one, two bags to one, and one bag to one? Was that fair from his perspective? Absolutely. It was his money. He got to decide it. He evaluated his servants on their abilities, and he made that decision. We say it this way sometimes. Everybody's opinion makes sense to them. Now, it's really important if you're a Jesus follower talking to somebody who's not a Jesus follower. All right? They're not a Jesus follower for some reason. It makes sense to them, just like it makes sense to you and I to be a Jesus follower. So, consequently, treat everybody with respect on their viewpoints. So, every... Oh, you didn't bring that up. Everything is fair to someone. <laughs> Next slide. <clears throat> so, then he goes on with the story. And it's kind of long. We'll get through this pretty quickly. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. All right, so he goes to work, being responsible, does the best he can, and he actually doubles uh, the money. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work, and again, it's work. Responsibilities are work. And he went to work, and he earned two more. He also doubled the money. Now, <clears throat> why? Why did he do that? They were entrusted with some responsibility and they took it seriously. They actually did what was expected of them, required of them. And they did the work, put in the work, and they got the results. Third guy, different story. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now the audience would have said, nobody would do that. Again, this is an extreme. Nobody would take this money and hide it in the ground. Now let me kind of give you an example or equivalence of this money. One bag was about 300, in today's money, about $300,000. So the one guy got a million and a half, one guy got 600,000, and one guy got 300,000. So this is not chump change, right? This is not just a little bit of money. This is a major responsibility, a major amount of money, even the guy with the one, one bag. And so the story goes on, time passed. The doctor says, after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them in to give an account of how they used his money. Okay, I gave you these, entrusted with you, I gave you this responsibility, I had these expectations of you that you would do well, go to work, do well, produce, be responsible for what I've given you. And now it's time to find out how you did. This is just common sense, right? And what happens? Well, we already know First two, right? The servant who had entrusted the five bags came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags to invest, and I've invested them, and I've earned you five more. So, if you're the master, what are you thinking? That's pretty good. 
That's probably as good as I could have done. So, what do you think this servant's attitude was about answering? I think he couldn't wait to tell the master what he had done. Don't you? He would have been so excited. Yeah, you gave me five and I've made five more. Master, look what I've done for you. And that's exactly the response that he gets from the master. The master was full of praise. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've done what I asked of you. Actually, outdone what I asked you. You've been faithful. We could use the word responsible in handling this small amount. And again, the crowd's going to say, that's not a small amount. <laughs> a million and a half dollars. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. That should be celebrated. Your responsibility, my trust in you and your faithfulness, your responsibility, that's something to celebrate. And man, what is he going to get? Ten million? How much more responsibility? We don't know. He gets to the second servant. Received the two bags of silver, came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver. And I think he was anxious to report too. And he said, I've earned you two more. Now, first guy earned five, the second guy earned only two, but percentage-wise, they both doubled their money, right? Doubled the master's money. So what's he going to say to this guy? Well, basically the same thing. Same thing that you and I would say, right? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful or responsible in handling this, again, small amount. I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Again, this is something to celebrate. Now, was that fair? I Again, that's the wrong question to ask. Now, if this was a movie, <laughs> the music would change. It would have been all upbeat for the first two guys now. It's going to get low-key now. It's going to be dun-dun-dun-dun. Because this next guy is what we're going to call first-century whiner. All right? Here's his response. We know what he did with the money. Here's his response. Do you think he was anxious, excited about me responding to the master? I don't think so. The servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I'm really nervous. The Bible says, I was afraid. I'm afraid I would lose the money. So I'd rather not do anything, not take any risk, because there's a risk that I could lose. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. A bag with dirt on it, I guess. <laughs> All right. Now, if you're the master, how are you going to respond to this guy? Well, at least you didn't lose it. No. Because this guy was afraid. He didn't have any courage. This guy was selfish. He was lazy, as we're going to see. Here's the master's response. You wicked... Probably a better translation is worthless in this count. Not worthless as a human being, but in this respect. Or irresponsible. You're irresponsible and lazy servant. If you knew I'd harvest crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why wouldn't you do something more with this? You took the easy way out, if you will, the lazy way out. Why? A simple statement that we would say. Why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. There wasn't many risks involved there. But this guy was uh, making excuses. Actually, he was blaming the master, right? It's your fault for giving me this money to entrusting me with this money. 
So then he does this thing that surprises everybody. <laughs> he orders, take the money from this servant. That's not a surprise. But he says, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. Well, that doesn't seem fair. He's already got ten. He's got three million dollars. But hey, it's up to the master's decision, right? He's rewarding faithfulness. He's rewarding, rewarding being responsible. And then there's this kind of uh, conclusion statement about the unevenness or unfairness of life. Those who use well what they are given, whether it's a lot or a little, doesn't matter, it's going to be different. Even more will be given. If you're responsible with a little, you're going to get more responsibility. And they'll have more than enough abundance. But those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. And then what happens to this guy? He says, now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, preachers are notorious for, you know, saying they're thrown into hellfire and all this kind of stuff. That's not what it's, <laughs> that's not what it's saying here. This is a common phraseology. Uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth was an expression of frustration. I thought about hitting a golf ball and it doesn't go where you want. I thought about some of you folks have played softball. I don't know if any of you did. I have done this. It's pretty embarrassing to strike out in slow-pitch softball. It just is. <laughs> How do you miss that ball three times when it's so slow? But it's, you know, he's got this, ugh, this frustration. Well, they use the term weeping and gnashing of teeth. But what's significant here is this. He was, we would say, in the inner circle. He was part of the folks that were entrusted with this money, right? It was a lot of money. So he was in the inner circle with the master. And at this point now, because of his irresponsibility, he's cast out of the inner circle. He's now out of the inner circle. Now, as, as Jesus told this story, would you expect Jesus to respond the same way to all three guys? Would you expect him to say to the third guy, oh, well done, thou good and faithful servant? <laughs> of course not, because he hadn't been responsible. He had the chance, and he blew it. He didn't follow through. So I've kind of made my own conclusion to the story this way. Two statements, two or three statements. Everybody gets an uneven amount of opportunity. That's life. Some of us are going to live longer than others. Some of us have more money than others. Some of us are more intelligent, better looking. You know, some of us got to go to college. Some of us didn't. Some of us grow up with both parents and a happy home. Some of us didn't. Life's not fair. Life's not even. We don't have even opportunity. It just is. The second thing is also true. Everybody gets held accountable for what they do with it. You're accountable. You're accountable if you have a lot of money, a little bit of money. You're accountable if you've got a lot of talents, gifts, abilities, or not. You're, you're accountable if you're an intelligent person. You're accountable if you've got to go to college, got a good job, whatever it might be. Your parent, some folks you know, try and try and try and can't have children. Some of us are blessed with multiple children. Uh, that's a huge, we're accountable, we're responsible for raising those children. But here's the third statement. It's going to be different for some of you folks. This uneven amount of opportunity isn't even ours. If you're a Jesus follower, it's not ours. In the story, the money wasn't the servants, was it? So if you're a Jesus follower, 
Your opportunities, your resources, your abilities, your money, your time is not yours. We talked about boss God week one. When you become a Jesus follower, step across the line, God becomes your boss. So it's just like the master in the story. So I'm responsible. It's his money. It's his time. It's his whatever. Now there's a good and bad to this, right? I don't have to decide. I didn't decide that I would have musical ability. God decided that. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. My wife can. Some of my kids can. I I can't. I didn't decide that. So consequently, I don't have to worry about leading worship, right? It's off my plate. Never going to happen. All right? That's the good side. The bad side is I have other gifts and responsibilities. One is to, to teach God's Word. So that's a huge responsibility. I have every Sunday to get up here and teach it in a way that is honoring to God and helpful to you folks. And if I don't do that, I'm irresponsible. Now we all know five bag people, right? They just seem, everything comes easy, they, they have it all, they have the looks, the intelligence, good family, you know, good college, and all this stuff. And all of us react to five bag people the same way. We hate them, don't we? <laughs> Let's be honest, we hate them! They just got it all and we don't. On the other side, we all know one bag people, right? They maybe grew up in a broken home. They maybe aren't the most intelligent people. Or even if they are, they didn't get to go to college. They don't have the greatest job. Maybe they have some health issues. Uh, maybe they were married and, and uh, the marriage fell apart. They're one bag people. Most of us are two or three bag people. It just is, right? But you know, we don't go see movies, we don't read books. Uh, our favorite stories aren't people that are irresponsible. Hey, there's this great movie coming out. It's about this guy who just wastes his life. I gotta see that movie. We don't do that, do we? Our, the stories that inspire us are stories of people that have taken responsibility for their life and they've done, maybe overachieved, right? I'm gonna tell you about one this morning. His name is Scott Rigsby. <clears throat> Scott Rigsby was, I think, down south someplace, Alabama or somewhere. When he was 18, coming back from working, landscaping job, he was dry, riding the back of a pickup truck, was his first mistake, right? This was back in the, maybe the 80s. Hit an 18-wheeler. Uh, he was thrown from the truck. He was dragged several hundred feet. One leg was, was, was taken off. The other was mangled. After 20-plus surgeries, they couldn't save the leg. And so he became a double amputee. Can you imagine, at 18, 19 years old? So for the next 20 years, he was the poor, pitiful me. He was depressed, wanted to kill himself. And then one day, he decided, I'm going to change my life. The reason it's exciting to me is because in 2007, he became the first double amputee to finish the Ironman triathlon in Hawaii. Took him almost 17 hours. And that would be a great accomplishment. It's a great story to share with you all. But then he decided life is bigger than me. It's more important than just me. And so he's got a foundation. You can look him up. He spends a lot of time counseling amputees, especially war vets. So he's a great example. And there's lots of others. and Some of you maybe. And on your outline, we, I put this statement. We are responsible for our responses. God, Rigsby was responsible for his response to a horrible accident. 
where he lost both his legs. And whether you're a Jesus follower or not, and you're all great creations of God, but your life, you are too small to live your life just for you. You just are. Whether you're 25 and just trying to figure things out work-wise and maybe relationship-wise and whatever. Maybe you're in your 30s. You want to have kids and can't have kids. How are you handling that? You want to find that perfect, not perfect, but the perfect match for you, a spouse to spend the rest of your life, but you haven't found it yet. Maybe you got a good job. These are all opportunities for you. How are you going to be responsible with that? I love this. There's a guy we, I met at, uh, we do some nursing home services, and I met this guy. He was there by mistake. It was our turn to do the service, and he shows up. He's in his 90s. Uh, well, I guess he's still a pastor, but, it, I mean, he doesn't pastor a church anymore. And he plays the piano wonderfully. He's just an uh, accomplished musician. And in his 90s, he's still going to nursing homes and playing the piano and teaching God's Word. Like I said, you can't find retirement in the Bible, right? So all of life is uneven. We all have uneven opportunities. But we are responsible for our responses to the opportunities we were given. In another place, Jesus said this, and we'll finish with this. Great gifts mean great responsibilities. So if you're a four-bag person or a five-bag person, you've got huge responsibility. But even greater gifts, maybe you are five, you've got even greater responsibilities. So whether you're a one-bag person or a five-bag person, what are you doing? Are you responsible? And our greatest responsibility, of course, is to God. And if you're not a Jesus follower, we invite you to step across that line and say, God, yeah, you, you are boss. And I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my messed up life. We say this often. He loves you unconditionally, just like you are. He just loves you too much to leave you that way, just like parents with their kids. He said, all right, I'll forgive you your sins. I'll empower you to change your life and be more responsible. For most of us, we're Jesus followers. We got that area in our life, I'm sure. I do, you probably do too. Yeah, that's, I'm letting that's, that area slide. And God, I, I confess, I apologize, I'm sorry. I've let that slide. I'm going I'm to do better. So I'm going to pray you make that decision in your heart and mind. Father God, thank you. We thank you for the fact that you get to divide it out. I don't have to decide what talents, gifts, even time I'm going to have here on earth. But you do. But I am responsible for using even my one bag responsibly. And that's where my life becomes bigger than me. First and foremost, it's about you, God, but then it's about the people in my influence, in my community, family, friends, church. God, so I want to pray a prayer for each of these folks here. Some aren't Jesus followers. God, I would just love to be able to explain to them how amazing it is to become a Jesus follower. Uh, and it's a gift. It's just a gift that needs to be accepted when you're ready, when you're ready to say, hey, I'm going to give my life to you, God. And then for us, it's, so, it's hard enough to figure out where those areas are, but then it's even tougher to make the decision to be responsible, to make the changes that are necessary. So God, we, as Jesus follows, we have your spirit. We should have the courage. We should have the strength to make those changes in our life. God, I thank you for what you're doing in, in our lives and in our world. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.